0: We read from the Holy Scriptures this evening from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Our text for this evening with a view to preparatory is found in verse 9. In this chapter, the apostle encourages the congregation of Corinth with regard to giving, providing alms for the poor saints in Jerusalem. But our text points to the blessed spiritual reality of poverty and riches. We hear the word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how then in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the exhortation, but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you, and we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches, and not that only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind, avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance, which is administered by us, providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you, or our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of Christ. Wherefore, show ye to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf thus far we read from God's infallibly inspired word as I said our text is found in this passage second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 verse 9 where we read for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that ye through his poverty might be rich. Beloved congregation in our Lord Jesus Christ, this is a beautiful and amazing word of God. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior is held before us in all the beauty and significance of his threefold name, Jesus, Savior, Christ, the anointed of God, ordained and qualified by the Spirit to be our Savior and Lord, as he stands eternally before the face of God, and as we see him even exalted and entrusted with all power in heaven and on earth, Lord of lords and King of kings, our Lord, as he has bought us with the price of his own precious blood, our Lord Jesus Christ, he became poor. We would see that this evening. That awful poverty which he took upon himself. And we would focus upon the confession for our sakes. May his Spirit bring shame into our souls as our sins arise before our consciousness, our sins, your sins, my sins, our guilt was laid upon him, our curse he bore upon that accursed tree, the wrath that was due unto us swept over him, and till he had borne it all away, the judgment that we deserved that still would sting in our consciousness, he took upon himself to deliver us from it. What a marvel of love, of mercy. Yea, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He suffered for our sins even while we were yet enemies. He became poor for our sakes. Yea, that we might be rich, lifted up from the awful poverty of our sin and misery. What's your attitude as we have entered another season of Advent? As we would contemplate the central wonder of all history, the coming of the Son of God into this world in the fullness of time. It's so easy to be distracted and preoccupied with the mundane and worldly aspects of the holiday season. And when that's the case, it's often a letdown. There are many people that become terribly depressed in this season. They may try to put on a good front but it's often a pretense. The reason for that is very simple. They do not see Bethlehem and the poverty there in the stable, swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. By the grace of God, we must have the eye of faith upon that awful poverty. And behold the wonder and the mystery of it, for that gives true joy and blessedness. Even our children know the account well, what transpired there, the birth of the Savior, Christ the Lord, announced even to humble shepherds in the field watching their sheep by night, Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Signs of that poverty. Well, we can hear a lot about poverty and riches in the Christmas season. Poverty with abounding homelessness, it seems, throughout the country, in the larger cities especially many with financial struggles, with inflation. We also hear about riches at times, extravagant gifts purchased by the rich and famous. As I mentioned, in the context here, we have the apostles' concerns with regard to the material things, the matter of the collections to assist the poor saints in Jerusalem at that time. But then our text directs us to the spiritual realities as they are in Christ. Our text directs our attention to spiritual poverty and spiritual riches. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. That is what we must see. Also with a view to our preparation for the Lord's Supper. It's in this light that we consider our text this evening under the theme, Christ's poverty, our riches. And we notice first of all his poverty Secondly, his poverty for our sakes. And finally, our riches. The text emphasizes that Christ was rich. We read, though he was rich. And of course, there can be no question about that. Christ was rich in a way that transcends all human thought. The apostle refers to the riches of Christ's eternal Godhead. Christ is the second person of the Holy Trinity, the divine Son. And as the second person of the Holy Trinity, Christ is co-equal with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. This co-equality means that all the marvelous virtues of the Godhead belong to Christ as the Son all that makes God the infinite almighty transcendent one belong to Christ within the Trinity as well as to the Father and the Spirit and within within the eternal Godhead Christ also possessed all the fullness of the blessedness of God's covenant life he was truly rich all the perfection, the joy, the blessedness, the supreme happiness of that full and perfect covenant life which is God's very nature and life was the full possession of Christ. But though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Now the meaning certainly cannot be that When he became poor, Christ left behind the riches which he eternally possesses as God. We might receive that impression, but that cannot be the idea. Bethlehem does not mean that when Christ was born, he left behind him the glories and the riches which were his so that he ceased to be God nor did he deliberately lay aside his riches. I would be in conflict with what the Apostle John declares at the beginning of his gospel account, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ Jesus did not become poor as a very wealthy man might lose his riches through some sort of financial disaster or an economic collapse. As paradoxical as it may sound, the idea is really that he was poor being rich. The point is that Christ remained God even when he was born of the Virgin Mary in the cattle stall in Bethlehem. And of course, that's precisely the wonder of the birth of Christ. It's not as if he who was God became man, leaving his Godhead behind. The wonder is that Christ became man, all the while remaining God. Christ, as the second person of the Holy Trinity, Unites in this one divine person a complete human nature and a complete divine nature. It's the mystery of God become flesh of which Paul speaks. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. The fact remains nonetheless that Christ's divinity was hidden behind the veil of his human nature. It was somewhat obscured from us by the fact that Christ became a man. The Apostle Paul speaks of this aspect of Christ's humiliation or, if you will, his poverty in Philippians 2. Verses 6 through 8. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 6, we read concerning Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Remember, he became a man who is like unto us in all things, with the exception of sin. As we have it in Hebrews 4, even tempted like as we are, yet without sin, became a man who bore a weakened human nature, a human nature that was subject to hunger and thirst, to disease and weariness, to sickness and death. This is what the apostle expresses when he tells us that Christ became poor. We've noted those signs in Bethlehem of his poverty. No no room in the inn. Compelled Joseph and Mary were to find shelter for the night in a stable, probably nothing but a cave on the outskirts of the city where passing caravans would shelter their animals for the night. That squalid and dirty stable was the only shelter for the Christ child. And all attempts through the ages to make that a pleasant place and a cozy scene are failures because it was dirty and ugly. It was smelly and sour, dark and foul. Most of our modern day barns are clean and bright and sanitary, even luxurious compared to that smelly stable Christ was born in abject poverty, could scarcely have been any worse. But this poverty which was his lot as he came into this world continued all his life long. Christ never possessed anything at all which he could really call his own. Not even the clothes on his back. And when a would-be disciple clamored to follow Jesus, Jesus reminded him, even the birds have nests and the foxes have holes, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And when finally he was crucified, his clothes were taken from him by the brutal soldiers who enjoyed their gambling there near the cross. Already through the psalmist, Christ had spoken of this when he cried, They parted my garments among them, and for my vesture they cast their lots. Yes, at his birth we see Christ's poverty. All he has are swaddling clothes and a manger. Presently these two would be taken from him. He was hated so completely by all his enemies that at last they robbed him of everything he possessed and even of his life itself. Yet the awful poverty of Bethlehem was but a sign. Again, call to mind the shepherds as they were visited on that glorious night by the angel who told them of the birth of Christ And at that time, the angel made it quite clear that the poverty was a sign to them. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What was this poverty a sign? It was a sign of the poverty of the human nature into which Christ the very Son of God, entered. We cannot fully comprehend the full reality of that poverty and the suffering Christ endured because of it. God became a man. He who was omnipotent became weak and helpless, a babe in His mother's arms. He who had created food and drink, became himself hungry and thirsty. He who had the very source of life in himself and was dependent upon no one, grew weary and needed sleep. He who was king became servant. He who was above the law, who had created the law, now was born under the law and was obligated to perform all the requirements of the law and was subject to its penalties. Yet all of this was not by any means the worst of Christ's suffering, for he had to endure all his life long the burden of God's wrath. He who had enjoyed those riches a fellowship with God, with Father and Holy Spirit, now had to experience and bear the burden of God's wrath. And here, too, there's an element of the mystery of the Incarnation which we can't fully understand. We... Know from the scripture that God's word was, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And yet, at the same time, Christ bore the wrath of God all his life long. Bethlehem and its poverty were a sign of it. And all of this was because Christ bore the sin and guilt of his people. His poverty was because the burden of sin and guilt rested upon Him. That poverty reached its climax on the accursed tree of the cross. He became poor by making sin and guilt which belonged to us His own. And it's that Truth that receives the emphasis here. The Apostle Paul is not merely discussing the wonder of the birth of the Savior, the Incarnation. He is insisting in a most emphatic way that this was on our account. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. All His poverty was for us. And that's why Paul speaks of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he begins this verse, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the fact here that grace is ascribed to Christ indicates that grace here refers to undeserved favor. It is that which stands opposed to debt or to works which earn or merit something or to obligation. Grace is undeserved, unmerited. It is a favor bestowed upon someone though the object of that favor is completely unworthy of it. The idea is therefore that Christ was manifesting towards his people a favor completely undeserved when he came into this world in the fullness of time and became poor, though he was rich. And that appalling poverty which was characteristic of Christ's life was something which he willingly took upon himself because Christ was gracious towards His people. The emphasis falls upon Christ's perfect obedience and willingness to suffer it speaks to us of that glorious truth that although it was painful beyond description for Christ to become so, so poor, nevertheless, he willingly They eagerly seized upon this poverty because the deepest motives of his heart were for the people given him of the Father whom he loved. And no price was too great to pay for them, no humiliation too bitter, no suffering too great, no poverty too lowly. But what makes this grace appear so wonderful is the fact that he became poor for us because we are so very 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 poor. No, that's not the case in material sense. Perhaps not so many of us would be considered wealthy. Some may have a financial struggle, but for the most part, we have an abundance of these earthly things, undoubtedly. We will receive some nice material gifts in the holiday season, but remember, material riches mean nothing. But spiritually, we are so very poor by nature. We are poverty stricken. We are spiritually bankrupt in ourselves. This poverty is the terrible poverty of sin, of death, of the curse, of hell. It is a poverty far more awful than the worst of material poverty that we could imagine. You recognize that awful poverty as yours? Let us rightly examine ourselves. May we be mindful of our sin and our sinfulness. The whole church for which Christ died is poor spiritually, very poor. Think of that corrupt host for which Christ died the wretched sinners, we all are, even now, if you think of your own terrible poverty, even that poverty of that old man, that corrupt nature, utterly depraved, we can see something of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that He, being rich, was made poor On our behalf. And there's no other explanation for it but grace. Undeserved favor. Christ was under no obligation to come into our poverty. He certainly did not have to save you and me. It was grace in connection with God's purpose To save, it was our poverty which created the necessity for that horrible, foul smelling stable in Bethlehem in which Christ was born. And let us not attempt, as so many do, to make that stable a pretty, cozy, lovely place. It speaks of sin, our sin, and the depth of our poverty. It is our shame. Yet, through his poverty, we are made rich. You see, beloved, Christ's poverty was the only possible way to riches for us. God had to become man. Christ had to enter our poverty. He who was himself very God, no other way. Only he could bear our burden. Only he could pay that infinite debt which was ours. It is only through his poverty that we become rich. Of course, Christ became rich first of all. He perfectly bore the wrath, the burden of God's wrath. And the prophet Isaiah could say he was with the rich in his death. And Christ was raised from the dead and exalted to highest glory, exalted at the right hand of the majesty on high, made prince of the universe. He was filled with the Spirit, given all the riches of salvation given the inheritance of heaven as his own possession. He was made rich. He was given a name which is above every name. For he was the poorest of the poor and becomes through it in that deep way the richest of the rich. And it's in this wondrous way that we are made rich. Because he became poor for us, we become rich through his poverty. We are delivered from the terrible poverty of sin and death and guilt and hell. We are raised into the glory of heaven, given riches beyond our wildest imagination. Yea, all the riches of salvation we are taken to heaven to inherit the whole redeemed universe, even to reign over it with Christ forever. You can't fix a price tag to such riches. You can't place a dollar value upon them greater than all the world. And they are ours by grace because Christ became poor for us, entering into our poverty that we might share in His riches. Beloved, let us ponder these things throughout this Advent season. Like Mary, keep all these things and ponder them in your heart. Ponder these things as we prayerfully prepare to come to the table of the Lord, ponder that wonder in the fullness of time, Bethlehem, the manger, the swaddling clothes. Remember that that is your shame and mine. Remember too that only in this way could Christ make room in our poverty-stricken hearts and reveal himself as our Savior and Lord. And make room he does in the hearts of all his elect people as he comes. The power of his Spirit and grace efficaciously forces his way into the hearts of his own Comes to dwell with us, makes room in this sad world because all the wicked he casts into eternal desolation, and he lifts even this cursed creation ultimately to the new heavens and the new earth by the power of his atoning blood. He makes room. And the apostle expresses the wonder of it so beautifully in our text. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Salvation by grace. Such fills our hearts with joy. In this Advent season, don't miss it. The stable must lead to the cross. And it's there at the foot of the cross that our hearts cry out in sorrow for our sin and sinfulness. But the cross leads us beyond to the garden of Joseph and to the empty tomb where our Lord once lay, and from the tomb to the Mount of Olives to see him go to the Father, ultimately to heaven, where Christ is, and where our tears are changed to doxologies of praise. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Let us rejoice and the unspeakable riches that we have in Christ Jesus, even next Lord's Day upon his table. How good he is. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Amen. Most merciful and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word. Write it upon our hearts by thy spirit that we may see and know ourselves and the poverty that is ours by nature and with which we would still struggle in the midst of this world, but give us to see Christ and to rejoice that He entered into our awful poverty to bear it away and to usher us into his riches. May thy name receive the glory and praise and grant that even through the supper of the Lord, our faith may be strengthened and we may be drawn nearer and closer to thee. We ask it with the remission of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.